Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. Let's be honest, everybody enjoys a good celebrity meltdown. Whether it's Will Smith losing his mind and slapping an Academy Awards host, Britney Spears shaving her head and assaulting a car with an umbrella like the Penguin, or Pee Wee Herman being arrested while furiously masturbating in a sad Florida porn theater. The spectacle provides an opportunity to knock society's powerful down a notch, makes them feel more human somehow. I mean, who hasn't slapped a dude, or shaved their head, or attacked a car, or polished the old knob in an AMC theater, you know what I'm saying? And the subject of today's show actually had a couple of infamous meltdowns, and this was no Pee Wee Herman scale celebrity either. Mel Gibson was a legit A-lister for 20 plus years before a wild ass DUI and an even crazier recorded phone call knocked him far down the rungs of the celebrity power ladder. In all practicality, he was basically blacklisted from Hollywood for the ensuing decade. But was the one-time heartthrob just caught off guard on a couple of bad nights, or is there something more menacing underneath that hunky, hunky physique? Is it even fair to judge a man from two interactions as awful as they might be? In Braveheart, his famous line was that they could take his life, but they could never take his freedom. Well, today, we're going to try and take away his dignity. So put on your Scottish kilt, braid in your hair extensions, dust off your Lethal Weapon VHS, and listen up while we score Mel fucking Gibson on this episode of Asshole Court. Honestly, I like a drink as much as the next man. <laughs> Unless the next man is Mel Gibson. Okay, so uh, let's get preliminary scores for Mel Gibson. Randy, what you got? All right, so a couple of things to take away from your intro. One, second Pee Wee Herman jerk-off reference in the movie theater yeah. in uh, AHC podcast history. So. I feel bad for Paul Rubens, for real, so I'm not trying to honestly... Look, look, it is what it is. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Look, Thank Pee Wee Herman jerked off in a movie theater and got arrested. I was a gigantic Pee Wee Herman Playhouse fan back yeah, in the day. Right. Oh, yeah. I remember watching it Sunday mornings or whatever would come on, and they would give the secret word of the day, and I would ru- I would run yeah. upstairs and be like, "Mom, say go kart." She'd be like, <laughs> "Go kart." <laughs> ah! yeah, oh, yeah, Jerry. Who was the cowboy on that it show? Was, uh, cowboy. Fuck. Man. No, the actual oh, actor. It was actually uh, Lawrence, uh, Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What was his name? Cowboy Carl. I think so. Fuck. Anyway. Yeah. Dude. Anyway. So, you know, a couple of things to pull away from that. One, I, I do shave my head. 
uh, like Britney Spears. <laughs> but then again, I'm bald. I don't attack yeah. cars. You either. shave parts of your head. Yeah, no, I shave the whole thing. Do you, I guess you have to, right? Yeah, is it yeah, buzz at the top? No, I, the way I gauge my haircuts is yeah. if the little buds of hair right here in the front. Okay. If I feel them blowing in the wind, it's time for a haircut. <laughs> Seriously, it's time for no, a haircut. Okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like two, baby hairs. Yes. Okay. And two, if you if you judged my life off of two interactions. Oh, yeah. uh, oh wow. Yeah. Or any of us off of two interactions. Yeah. I thought about this recently. I was like, if I passed away next week and they could only judge me based off of like the recordable history of me, because I'm not really on social media, they would just have this show. I don't think that my family would be super proud of me. It's not the legacy you want to leave behind. That's what it is, though. This is true. But as far as Mel Gibson goes, yeah, right? Show go. subject. I was a massive Mel Gibson fan of his movies back in the day, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, he was legit A-list. Um, 100%. Huge. Golden boy. Like, you never really heard much about him outside. But as you see with many, many celebrities, the older they get, well, one, it opens up the opportunity for more shit to happen, right? The longer you're in the limelight. Sure. Of course. All your fucking errors in life yeah. are going to be highlighted. But you see people kind of go off the rails, right? Yep. It is what it is. But at the same time, not not a, a giant fan of, obviously, some of his views. The things that he's done, you can look back and judge very harshly on some of his actions. Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to hear kind of, you know, the beginning of the story, how this all kind of came to. But, you know, at the end of the day, he he hasn't killed anybody. His his views are kind of fucked up. And that's the thing. When he's like, oh, I was drunk. You usually hear... It sucks to say the truth about what people really think once they get fucked up. Yeah, the uh, old uh, drunk man's words or a sober man's thoughts. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly right. A drunk so, mind speaks a or a sober or a drunk tongue speaks a sober mind. Yeah, or something, something like that. Something like that. that. I just totally so, butchered it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. You get the yeah. gist. Said, Wait a second, we're trying to get our fortune cookie philosophy right here on asshole court. <laughs> no, but it's exactly right. So, is that really what he thinks about? Jewish people, black people, you know, all the people that he's really uh, kind of tarnished over his his career. So I'm going to start him out right around Steven Seagal territory. I'm at a 6.0. OK. Uh, Pre-show score for Mel Gibson. 6.0. All right, buddy. What do you think about old Melly G? Oh, man, I loved Melly G like back in the day. I loved his movies um, like The Man Without a Face. He was like Freddy Krueger. Very good movie, dude. It was a great movie. It was like if Freddy Krueger was nice and actually got to live in the real world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that sounds like a Nirvana song. The man without yeah, a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's actually a very solid movie. It's one that people sleep on a lot. It is. It's a very good movie. It, it, I, I loved it. And I also loved him in Maverick. Uh, that was actually, I think, like one of my earliest memories of poker actually yeah. is from Maverick. Yeah. And he's sitting there playing Max Perlick, who, uh, or Perlick, uh, yeah. he was Dooley in Blow. Yeah. Um, and uh, he wins the hand against him. And it looks like uh, old Dooley's going to pull the gun on him, but he jumps up and pulls the gun on him. And it, just like that whole scene, just, I don't know, it's cemented in my memory. There's one memory I have from that movie is my neighbors were extremely Christian. And, but I went over to their house and we we're going to be able to rent a movie one time and we rented Maverick. And there was that scene where he was like, got a really good hand and he goes, oh boy. He goes, well, I'm sucking high on tit. <laughs> that mom shut that movie off immediately. What kind of trash are y'all yeah, watching? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. always knew that Mel Gibson was trouble. <laughs> sucking high on tit. I don't even know who said it. Maybe it was the uh, James, whatever. Anyways, go ahead. 
So yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I loved his movies, and I mean, like those were more some of the you know like more obscure ones. Of course, you've got Braveheart, Lethal Weapon. I mean, I loved him and Danny Glover, and so you know, I, I have very fond memories of him from back in the day. It was actually at one of his movies I found out that I was going to hell for the rest of my life because I went to go see The Passion of the Christ, which he directed. Yeah. And it was a packed out theater and we were second row. We had to go sit up in the front of the second row. And in the front row, there was this lady that had her child that just kept on running back and forth. The kid was like three years old. I don't How even do know bring why. A fucking kid into murder. Oh, like that. That's what I'm saying. And so, like, I was like, I went and told one of the, you know, people who worked there. I was like, hey, the usher, you got an usher on this lady. I did, nice. man. I had a boy, buddy. I did. I was like, like 20 at the time or so. And I was just trying to watch the movie. I was like, can you just like take the kid over to the side or something yeah. and was running up and down and screaming. So they came down and talked to her and said like, Hey, we're trying get- to watch Jesus die. If you could shut this kid down, I just need to watch two seconds. three hour ass whipping of Jesus. <laughs> exactly. And so like they gave her the warning and then the usher stood off to the side and within like two minutes, the kid's doing it again. And so the usher was like, Hey, you need to take your <laughs> like, kid out of like here. Like a baseball umpire. You're gone. <laughs> yeah. You're gone. So the lady turns around and looked at me and uh, she, she was Spanish and she looks at me and she goes, you are going to hell for getting me kicked out of the Jesus movie. <laughs> I, I remember like, you telling me this story. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. That's fuck. So I've been going to hell ever since I saw that Mel Gibson movie. Well, that probably isn't the only act that has you headed there, buddy. Probably not. But uh, and some stuff with you guys as well. So, Uh, yeah. But anyway, so I love Mel or at least did back in the day. So I was surprised to see his fall so quickly. Mm -hmm. And I never really dove deep into what happened. Um, I'm trying to figure out if it was more like a Britney Spears moment where, like Mikey said in the beginning, you know, she hit the car with the umbrella and shaved her head or you know was this more something that is just in line with this character so i'm interested to see what we unveil here today during the, the course of the show and uh you know funny enough when i was looking at all of the people that we've done before i am right with randy really? i think we're at steven seagal level right here for the pre-show so i'm also going to give mel gibson a 6.0 as a pre-show asshole score okay. all right mikey what you got bud i was going to give him a 6.2 but at pains me for you guys to compare him to Steven Seagal, who has made the shittiest of movies. Well, Mel Gibson has made very good movies. This is true. <laughs> it's true. This is true. I'm not. Yeah, that's not what we're comparing acting skills I to. I know, I know. And Steven Seagal is a known rapist. I don't know if that's Mel Gibson. I was going to go with six because we uh, obviously we're going to get into this, a lot of this stuff or whatever, but I just uh, I, 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 I hate Steven Seagal so much. <laughs> And his movies are so fucking horrible. We've talked about having to revisit his. And show. we actually, I yeah, we will, yeah. we will do this. Yes. But his movies are are so fucking horrible oh. that uh, it, it pains me. And um, his and his real life kind of mirrors his movies in a whatever. sense. Whatever. Under Siege is awesome, actually. It's a horrible movie. Have it's, you watched it? Yes. When's the last time okay. you watched it? Oh, fifteen years ago. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, let's compare it. If that's his best movie, what would we compare it to? Braveheart, Braveheart which is probably top ten. Yeah, so, banger, shit, yeah, that's awesome. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's no yeah. comparison. Oh, I to know the that, but it, we're we're comparing the <laughs> asshole of the man, not the movie man, right? That's true. I'm saying, look, it, I love Papa John's pizza, but you know, he's on our seats right below Steven Seagal. Well, it's not about that. It, it would be like me being like, well, I, uh, you know, I love Papa John's pizza. It reminds me of diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, me and Randy are on the same page here. If you it's can't true. get on board, that's your I'm problem, Mikey. I'm not on board. Not on board. You guys are complete psychopaths. Six is a good score. You just for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you guys stepped into that one. All right, so look, anyways, enough of that. 6.0. Start with that. All right. That's easy math. That is. 
with a 6.0 from Mikey, a 6.0 from Randy, and a 6.0 from Buddy. Mel Gibson's pre-show asshole score? 5.75. That's some Buddy (laughs) math right there. Hold on. That's a 6.0. All right, cool, man. You guys ready to get a DUI? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go driving. Freedom! Mel Columseal Gerard Gibson is born on January 3rd, 1956 in Wongle Pong, Queensland, Australia. Actually, that's not true. He was actually born in Peaksville, New York. I had always heard that he was Australian and was kind of surprised to find out that he was born in, in New York. More surprised, to be honest, in finding out that there is a town called Wongle Pong in Australia. I, <laughs> I looked up some funny names and yes, Wongle Pong and Spanker Knob, yes, Spanker <laughs> Knob, and an island called Bumbang, well, they exist. Oh, Bumbang. <laughs> sounds like bum fights, but Bumbang. They're real places in Australia. Uh, there, there's a town north of Atlanta called Cumming, spelled C-U-M-M-I-N-G. Uh, straight up Cumming. And, <laughs> and the Walmart sells mugs that says, I love Cumming. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it always makes me laugh, but it ain't got shit on these Australian town names. I guess that's what you get when you have towns uh, named 150 years ago by destitute, horny prisoners. <laughs> this is true. Anyway. Any of our Australia fans, be sure to comment on that. Oh, there's a million of them. They have fucking crazy names. Exactly. Dude. Anyway, back to Mel Gibson, himself arguably a spanker knob or not. Uh, we'll <laughs> find also, out. We're about hey, to find out. If we'll find you're, out. you're male with a penis, you're a spanker knob. That's Let's <laughs> just be real. Uh, yeah, we'll find out, I suppose. That's what we do here, right? Spanker knob court. Actually, Mel is born to Hutton Gibson and Ann Patricia Riley, and he's one of 11 children Whoa. because his parents are both devout Catholics, and his mother was Irish, and in the mid-20th century, a good Irish Catholic woman tended to pump out kids like The Rock pumps out middling yet somehow profitable action movies. Yeah, that's the uh, Catholic rhythmic system. Yeah, I'm a product of that. So, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. which is like they're like, make sure you come in her. They're like, hey, as long as you just follow the calendar and, uh, you know, when it's a full moon, make sure you do it. Get those people some condoms. <laughs> for the love of God. <laughs> and Mel is a product of such potent Irish Catholicism that his name is derived from St. Mel's Cathedral, named after a fifth century Irish saint. And his middle name, Column Seal, was also shared with an Irish saint. Now, while his mom, Anne Patricia Riley, was effectively an Irish, like, ant queen, his father was a pretty interesting fellow himself. He was the 1968 Jeopardy! champion. Oh, no, really? It's true. true wow. Story. Wow. Hutton Gibson, huh? Yeah. We watch Jeopardy! every single night in my house. Jeopardy's oh, great. That's while awesome. We watch, yeah, while we eat dinner, Jeopardy! Love. Wheel of Fortune's on. Love Jeopardy! Have they chosen a new host for Jeopardy! No, they keep bounce between Ken Jennings and uh, Milok. Uh, Mayim Bialik. That's her. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm on the Ken Jennings team, but also Ken Jennings just doesn't have the charisma. The Al- There's no replacement. Nobody's going to have that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I definitely don't want, what's her name? Blossom. Blossom up no, there. No fucking way. Yeah. She's got some weird ideas, but that's for another day. I liked her brother, Joey. 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 <laughs> he was like a like dead set to be a huge star and then just disappeared. Yep. What are we doing right now? Hope you're listening to the show, Joey. We love you. <laughs> Hutton Gibson was also an advocate for what's called sedevacantism, which is a school of thought that the current series of Catholic popes are illegitimate due to, um, you know, stuff. <laughs> some, apparently some shit uh, that happened at the Second Vatican Council back in the 1960s. 
I don't know. I didn't really care enough to do like a deep dive on this shit. So there you go. Hey, maybe we'll cover that in conspiracy court. There you go. Yeah, the whole papal appoint deal is kind of confusing to me. How they yeah. choose an ex pope. Yeah, well, and the, the smoke and all that, like, and eh. that's been happening for a long time. But apparently, in the '60s, there was a big like uh, break off where people were like, "Nope, this is all messed up." And the real pope, uh, there hasn't been. Basically, they're saying that there hasn't been a real pope since this time. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Anyways, uh, before his death, like a couple of years back, this is Hutton. This is uh, his dad. His dad. He also espoused some other like interesting thoughts. For instance, he believed that the World Trade Center attacks were done by a remote control. What? And, yeah, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I went he, up to Radio Shack and uh, got me them remote controls. Yeah, it's not It's not great. Uh, I don't really fully understand. There's a lot of conspiracies on that, but he was a big fan of them. Uh, and he also talked openly about his doubts regarding the Holocaust. Uh, here we go. I wonder if that's like what uh, spurred Mel's uh, movie Conspiracy Theory, where he was like kind of that taxi cab driver that was always had the crazy conspiracy theories. That's true. That's so, true. One of Julia weak, Roberts. One of his weaker films, but yes, yeah, I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's not great. And like, while he may have attempted to frame his argument in some sort of pseudo-intellectual uh, like rapping, because he was a, like a writer and an author and stuff like that. I he was a rapper. Yeah, yeah, Mel yeah. Gibson's dad was a rapper. <laughs> Interesting. Hutton. Yeah. <laughs> He's... <laughs> Anyways, questioning how the Nazis could have possibly disposed of six million bodies. That was his thing. He was like, he was like how could they possibly have got rid of six million bodies? Anyways, the reality was that Hutton Gibson just really didn't like Jews. Going so far as to tie his set of vacantism and his anti-Semitism together in one neat little package when he declared that the Second Vatican Council was a, quote, Masonic plot backed by the Jews. Wow. wow. So do you remember the, the we were talking about in the 60s they had the whole like second Vatican thing or whatever it was and he was saying that was a masonic plot the masons were coming back to take what was theirs back by the Jews. Yeah. The wow. masons get a lot of grief. They do. It's really yeah. strange. They must have been the all like the 33rd degree masons or One whatever. One of our it good is. buddies dad died and uh he had a masonic funeral and it was kind of weird. It's weird but it's almost like uh some just weird club that's been going on for a long time it's like uh, it's gotta be better than a catholic funeral because i mean God, i've been to a couple of those in the past few years uh, i are. went to a french catholic funeral where the whole thing was in french Ooh. we were in france yeah yeah and yeah. it was uh, just sort of stare at, you just sort of stare at the stained glass oh no we had to walk around the casket and you do this thing where you like dump holy water oh, on yeah. the casket yeah. mm -hmm. and um we are real close friends of the family of the lady that died, and yeah. they were like, come up with us. And I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I'm on vacation. I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had been in a fucking Manchester United game two days earlier. I was still hungover. Yeah. And fucking all of a sudden, I'm watching them to see, all right, here's what I need to do. Like, taking yeah. notes almost as it got to my turn. This I was not on my itinerary. Yeah, I passed the test, but it was all good. Yeah, it's very ritualistic for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Now, to be fair, this is not a show about Hutton Gibson. And if it were, I imagine we'd have the like lowest download numbers in a year plus because, hey, nobody knows or gives a fuck about Hutton Gibson. But I wanted to go ahead and define his father's thoughts because it provides some interesting context later on. Anyway, around the time that Hutton believes that the Masonic Jews are subverting the true Catholic Church, he also suffers a work injury while working for the New York Central Railroad, and in 1968 was awarded $145,000 in the related lawsuit. Today, 
that would be like roughly $1.1 million. Jeez, dude. What happened, you know? Uh, I, it's not much to say. I don't know. They didn't, Probably got hit in the head with something. I'm going to be honest. Like, it was very hard to find stuff here for research or whatever. Like, um, you know, this is just a different time. Like, Mel Gibson yeah. was a superstar back when they just left people alone or whatever. Yeah, sure. Shortly thereafter, he decides to move his giant fucking family to West Pimble, Sydney, Australia. Throughout his high school years, Mel was educated by members of the Congregation of Christian Brothers at St. Leo's Catholic Church in Warunga, New South Wales. I told you, those fucking Australian names are wild. All right, so he wasn't born in Australia, but he spent a lot of time out there? The, he Grew moves the whole there. family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. He moves to Australia when he's about 12 okay. or whatever. And like I said, his mother's Irish, and I don't know what his dad was, uh, uh, an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you go. <laughs> he gets into acting and struggles. And like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of aspiring actors, he struggles like incredibly hard until he hits the jackpot when George Miller, looking for an American actor to film a movie in Australia, came across a young Mel Gibson. Now, the story I've heard and the one that gets tossed around more often than not is that Mel got the role because he showed up to the audition the day after getting in a bar brawl, which left him with a black eye. And like a broken jaw sometimes, they tell you the story. It's like Russell Crowe style, huh? Yeah, pretty much. They were like, oh, uh, you know, they were like, the story goes that like Miller thought that the roughed up Gibson looked tough and perfect for the role. But that has been disputed by almost everyone involved, including like George Miller himself. So who knows, dude? After filming Mad Max and before it becomes like a global phenomenon, Mel meets a dental nurse, Robin Denise Moore. They get married shortly thereafter and continue the Catholic Gibson tradition of pumping out a fuck ton of kids. Seven kids, because why not? Yeah, my grandma's like one of like 17. Yeah. 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 I mean, people used to have tons of kids back in the day anyways, but like the Catholics, the Catholics really stretched yeah. that one out. <laughs> well, and it, was, it was a crazy thing because my mom is one of seven kids. She has six brothers, mm -hmm. but they were Lutheran growing up, but yeah. it wasn't the Catholic. Diet group. Catholic. They live, yeah, right? <laughs> she grew up on a farm. And the reason you had a lot of kids, you build your workforce, yeah, right? 100%. Yeah, 100%. You had six boys. You know, 13 years later, you got a lot of workers able to milk the cows and do all the, the shit you got to do on a farm. Yeah, yeah, seven kids back then, that was a small family. Yeah. yeah. They're like, fuck, you know what? Yeah, I mean? you just pump up those numbers. Pump up the volume. Pump, pump up, up the, the volume. volume. <laughs> pump up the volume. Dance, dance. <laughs> At the same time, as this family is beginning... Mel Gibson's career is taking off. And truthfully, we're all pretty familiar with his work. I'm not going to spend like a whole lot of time on like a film by film breakdown here because his movies don't like make him an asshole. In fact, I'd argue that Mel Gibson has made some pretty fucking rad movies. I mean, no matter what I think about Mel Gibson and no matter how much I know that it is chock full of historical inaccuracies, Braveheart is a fucking banger of a movie. Absolutely. I is. loved it. And yeah. that's what it was like one of those movies that like. I wasn't really into the Renaissance time or anything around that mm -hmm. time when I was growing up, but like that was one of the first movies that me and my wife watched together yeah. way back in the day, and I was like, "All right, I'm sold." Yeah. Like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. And this is like Dork Mikey coming. I'm like, eh, technically, that's pre-Renaissance. That, that's why I said <laughs> around that time. Dude, no, that's <laughs> actually the Middle Ages. It's uh, <laughs> dude, whatever. That shit gets you amped. It does. Amped, yeah, one hundred percent. Straight banger of a movie, dude. Like, it's and honestly, it's so funny because like historians lose their mind when they talk about Braveheart. It's historically inaccurate. Yeah, because like the real Battle of Sterling was over a bridge. And over that's a how uh, there was no the, the battle happened on a bridge. Oh, 
And that's why the the there's no bridges in Braveheart. Exactly, it was a whole huge field, <laughs> all that, and then all they were like showing their asses. They didn't wear kilts back then. Kilts didn't exist. They didn't even exist until like 300 years later. But the the Battle of Ster- it was called the Battle of Stirling Bridge, and that's how they won. Was that they forced the English onto this bridge and then just fucking killed them as they came them. over. Yeah, because yeah. the bridge was so narrow, it's you a could only point. you could only fit like four dudes at a time. So they were just like. You know, this it yeah. was like a it was a meat grinder. They're yeah, like, exactly. bring them on. It's a choke point. That's where That's they would true. fucking just annihilate them. Exactly. Yeah. And also, they made Robert the Bruce look like a straight bitch. And actually, Robert the Bruce was pretty much what they like wanted William Wallace to be. Like he was actually like the real hero of Scotland. William Wallace was a good dude, or not a good dude. He was definitely an important part of the piece, but he was also like a notorious like savage. Like that, he mm-hmm. would just. Uh, very brutal and violent. Eat people's kids. They, they shit, kind of yeah. pushed all that stuff to the side for the movie, huh? They said, I love you. I always have. <laughs> they made it like a romantic, you know? He's like, I speak seven languages. Yeah. And they, I do. Yeah, they kind of tried to make it like Kevin Costner and... Um, Dances what? with Wolves? Uh, no, not Dances with Wolves. Uh, the other one. Robin Hood, Prince oh, of Thieves. Oh, man, his accent was so bad. <laughs> Telling you, I, I, I rewatched Dances with Wolves maybe a year ago. And his voice is just unbearable. And I actually like it, but he's just like, we found these Indians. And then uh, the buffaloes came around. Things were happening. <laughs> he's just like, it's not, doesn't sound like that The way. only part of that movie I remember is Nicole Kidman naked in the bed. That's definitely no, not. No, that's not movie. Dances with Wolves. <laughs> is it not? What's the one with where she's laying in the bed and you see her Eyes titties? wide shut or something no, like that? No. God you're, damn thinking, it. you're thinking of like far and away. That's oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> Love that. Randy's like, I remember that movie. Historically <laughs> accurate everywhere. There way. it is. Nicole I'm, Kidman. I'm so historically accurate. <laughs> All I remember is Nicole Kidman's titties. <laughs> Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show's subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com and find us at AHC Podcast. Get those ad free shows you want, get some input on who you want to hear about and become internet famous with a shout-out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends, and you'll get all of our new Conspiracy Court episodes. Go to patreon.com today and find us at AHC Podcast. But for real, though, all right. Mel Gibson, is actually, he's a versatile actor, too, right? The type of dude that can go from an action movie where he's crushing a dude's head with a ball and chain to a romantic comedy where he is struck with the ability to read women's minds. Side note, the most shocking part of the movie, What Women Want, is when Mel reads Helen Hunt's thought about how she clogged the toilet on her way up to that meeting. <laughs> That's awesome. I forgot about that part. It didn't actually happen. I made that up. God damn it. <laughs> I was saying, never, never saw it. No, you never saw it. It was a great movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Randy hasn't seen many of uh, Mel's back catalog. Not a huge movie guy. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, but that's only Randy given, did not graduate from Blockbuster, Blockbuster University. University. Nah, I tell you what, Top Gun fucking Maverick right, comes two. out May 27th. Take my money. <laughs> Take it. my fucking money. I can't wait for that shit. But like I said, all of this stuff is only given Mel Gibson half credit because he also has some like pretty serious credentials in like the writing and directing department. He directed Braveheart, The Man Without a Face, which me and Buddy talked about earlier, which is a phenomenal film. Like it's you great. should watch it. It's, it's not, great. It's I never slow, saw it. I know it's okay. You don't like movies. 
Okay. Apocalypto <laughs> as well as some others. That movie's fucking fantastic. Never... And it's all in like it's all subtitles. Exactly. And he wrote Apocalypto too, which look, even if you don't like the fucking movie, and I do, you've got to give him credit for having the balls to make a movie about the pre-Columbian indigenous people of Central America and film it entirely in their historically accurate language. That's fucking cool, and I wish more production companies would take the interest in like doing risks like nope, that. Nope, fuck that. I hate subtitles. Never saw Apocalypto. And it was um, a big risk at the time because wasn't it like a three-hour movie or something like that? It was like a that? long... It was a, the Boring. Got to read for three hours. <laughs> That's what, like back in like 2003 or whatever, it was like a three-hour movie. Which I, is, what's great is I'd like to would frame this movie differently and I could sell Randy on it. I'd be like, yo, they just cut hella heads off, bro, and it's tons of war scenes and I shit. I might be in on it. <laughs> I might be in there. <laughs> I saw it the wrong way. I was like, pre-Columbian languages, and he's just like, no way. Hate subtitles. I'm, not <laughs> I'm telling you, every year at the fucking Oscars, are like, oh, it's this movie up for best film of the year, and you watch it, it's, it's all in subtitles. I'm like, man, I'm uh, out. I'm good. Yeah. Skipping that subject. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Anyways, so what are y'all's favorite Mel Gibson movies? Like, Obviously, we've covered Braveheart, so Lethal Weapon. You love Lethal Weapon? I love Lethal Weapon. It's great. I love Lethal Weapon One and Two, actually. Yeah, they're great. great. Danny Glover and him, awesome. but that that kind of fits my persona as well. It does. You're yeah. an action film guy. You like you are movies. literally a '80s action movie writ large. Fucking right. Yeah. Yeah. Buddy, who? What's your favorite favorite? So your second favorite? You know, Braveheart is probably everybody's winner. But what's your fi- second favorite? I think Maverick's probably my second favorite Maverick. movie of his. Yeah, yeah. I loved Maverick. It's it just I watched it, you know, probably like thirteen years old, fourteen years yeah. old, and I and I loved it. Now this isn't my favorite, but the one where he like he went into the crypto show and then like for sixty years and then like oh, came back forever young. Yeah, forever young. That was a, another saw good that one in of theaters. his. Yeah, never saw it. <laughs> Randy's <laughs> up here shaking his head. But I was never a fan of the Mad Max series. Uh, I thought that that was overhyped. Never saw those either. Cool. Uh, I don't like futuristic. I hate sci-fi. I want something I can relate to. I like, like being a I fighter love. pilot. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Or lethal weapon, being being a fucking detective, <laughs> sliding on the top of cars on my way to shoot bad guys. That's how I roll, motherfucker. Yeah, no, I think my honestly my second favorite is Apocalypto. That shit was dude, wild. That dude. movie was badass. I it loved was, it. It was a, it was a good movie, man. So, uh, anyways, okay. Beyond Mel Gibson's movies, let's get down to the uh, issues that bring him into the courtroom today. Yes, Mel has a history of hitting the bottle, like a All lot. Of us. <laughs> One time, allegedly admitting to his breakfast being a six-pack of beer. Now, of course, as we pointed out on this show more than once, alcohol and substance abuse isn't like a moral failing. Hell, we're drinking during most of our shows. Honestly, we're drinking right now. (laughs) We 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 keep it pretty light, though. We try to. Most of the time. It's what I tell my wife, at least. But the problem is that his drinking has come with problems. Some instances more well-known than others. For example... (laughs) <laughs> right in the early days of his fame while filming the movie Mrs. Sofal in location in Toronto, Mel got faded, decided that driving home was a fucking wizard idea, ran a red light, crushes a car, and kills a small child. Oh, holy I'm shit. kidding. He didn't kill a small child. He didn't actually kill anyone, but all the rest is true. And knowing how serious Canada is on booting foreigners with DUIs, he is banned from driving yeah, in Ontario for three months. They wouldn't let George Bush, or he, George Bush had to get 
special authorization to get into Canada. Yeah, that's um, insane. Yeah, the president yeah. of the United States had to have special authorization. Well, well they they only banned Mel Gibson from driving for three months. In that's also insane. Like exactly. Anyways, yeah, he he gets banned from driving in Ontario for three whole months. Those were different times, I suppose. But later that year, Gibson's drinking caused issues with none other than Sir Anthony Hopkins. While filming Mutiny on the Bounty, Gibson had a habit of getting shit-canned and showing his dick to everyone, including Anthony Hopkins, who apparently utilized the experience as inspiration when playing Hannibal Lecter and talking about eating a dude's wiener with fava beans and a nice Chianti. Mm, that's right. Of Dumb and Dumber fame. Absolutely. Love that line. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure he said liver with fava beans and a nice candy, but whatever. Anyway, Gibson himself would admit that he was out of control, later stating, quote, I was wacko. We were out there in the trees in the middle of a volcano in the middle of French Polynesia with bad food and an endless supply of alcohol. We'd get smashed and go in the club med stage and pull down our pants. Eh. Seems fitting. Yeah, Seems like normal. a typical Saturday night around here. And although he was a devout Catholic and a family man, and this was a, like attested to by many people, for instance, one friend said, quote, Mel was a family man. 99% of the time he was home with his wife and kids. There was another booze-laden incident later on that tarnished that image a little bit. From a Vanity uh, Fair article I found, quote, in 1991, on a visit to Modesto, California, to buy cattle for his ranch in Australia, he ended up in a bar drinking with two waitresses and a student named Wendy Lee Kane. She took snapshots that made their way into the papers, showing Gibson canoodling with the girls, end quote. I looked online for these pictures because, you know, I needed to understand the extent of the canoodling. Right. But alas, no luck. So... <laughs> I'm just going to imagine that Gibson and Wendy Lee Kane were stand up 69ing by a Street Fighter 2 arcade game because that seems reasonable and funny. Whoa, Nugent! <laughs> I'm just imagining Urban Meyer, you know, the Ohio State coach or yeah. former Ohio State coach. He went back to Ohio State and there were he was at his own restaurant and all of a sudden there's these young college girls dancing on his lap. Yeah. yeah and it was yeah. all over the internet. Of yeah. course. But I like the idea. Now he's the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. True. Maybe we can turn that program around. And it's like happen. the opposite of Keanu Reeves, where you see like every picture of him whenever he's with he the girl. Touch he won't arm. touch them. Yeah, yeah. He has hands open. You know. Yeah. No, I, I like the the stand up sixty nine next to Street Fighter. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> there was another thing too that happened. It's like quote one source reported seeing him at a, a party in the late eighties or early nineties, where he spent the entire night at the bar knocking back one drink after another. Before he departed, the source says Gibson stuck his tongue into this lady's mouth. Just mm. rando. Sounds like Gibson. college. Yeah. It's true. But, it, yeah. you know, yeah. It's but he was 40. Yeah, this is the 80s. He's yeah, probably... He's, he's, he was like yeah, 30. 30 yeah. Yeah. No, 57. he was born in 1957. 57. So. Yeah, so he's 33. I think we're missing the point here. He's married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Gibson, as many alcoholics are wont to do, would sometimes spend long stretches on the wagon as well. While filming The Patriot in South Carolina in 1999... That was a good movie. Saw that one. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There's one, There's that. one Randy yeah, saw. Yeah. <laughs> Gibson actually established an AA chapter in the town that they filmed in because they didn't have one. He allegedly also set up a battered women's shelter too, so that's cool. I mean, had he set up a food bank... He would have completed the local saint trifecta, but the filming wrapped and he was ready to get the fuck out of South Carolina. So, so I, I mean, pretty good look there, honestly. Yeah, it, yeah. it just sounds like at the end of the day, he's just an alcoholic. 
You know, and there's plenty of people that are fucking alcoholics. But I mean, like he has a good heart. It seems like we it, said in the last episode, one out of ten people have a problem with alcohol. That's right. You know, that's right. Mel's one of those people. Yeah. You know, but like I said, he's sort of all over the place, like a lot of humans, I suppose. Any of us. But you know, the alcoholism is there, and that means while he's hopping on the wagon, sometimes he's also falling off. And in 2006, Mel doubles up on the DUI tip. But this DUI is somehow worse for Mel than the one in which he ran a light and killed a kid or hit a car or whatever it was. <laughs> Once something like yeah. that. On an early morning in July of that year, 2006, old Mel was arrested after he was found drunk driving his Lexus along the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu. A three quarters full bottle of tequila wrapped in a brown paper bag was found on the floor. So far, pretty standard DUI fare, I suppose. Something you did like seen it like a thousand times on cops, but it quickly got out of hand when Mel allegedly tried to run away from the cops. When that didn't work, he switched gears and began to berate and attempt to intimidate the officers, telling them, quote, I own Malibu. I am going to fuck you. Did he try to drive and get away? No, like actually like, like ran, like physically ran from. Oh, him. God, this is like an episode of cops. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. The whole <laughs> I own like Malibu and I'm going to fuck you. It's. Pretty solid. Nice, Mel. Oh, Malibu's wow. most wanted right there. That's it. B-Rad G. That's it. Do you know who I am? Yeah. I hate that line. I fucking hate that line. Do you know <laughs> who I am? Anybody ever drive? Even if I know who they are, I'll be like, no clue. Do you know who my dad is? Yeah. Hutton Gibson? <laughs> <laughs> he hates Jews. <laughs> you look like you have a pointy nose, asshole. <laughs> and although this is disputed by Mel, others have him saying this to a female arresting officer, quote, what do you think you're looking at, sugar tits? Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Which is unintentionally <laughs> hilarious, to be honest. Sugar tits? Yes. Wow. But then it got even weirder, Mel Gibson weird. The arrest report says, quote, Gibson blurted out a barrage of anti-Semitic remarks about fucking Jews. Gibson yelled out, quote, the Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world. Gibson then asked, are you a Jew? <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, yes, it's not great. Oh, wow. World War II was the Jews' fault. That's right. Interestingly enough, there were allegations at this time that the police department had tried to avoid embarrassing Gibson by altering their arrest report after trying to avoid having it like released at all. Fair enough. Honestly, good on their part. But Jesus, man. I don't yeah, know really? if that's good on their part. Well, I mean, they're trying to just not make it a huge deal. Like, guy got arrested... Here's the deal, like versus what would happen today, where it would be all over TMZ and just you know, yeah. He's a person of interest, and I understand them trying to not make a big deal of it, but like at the end of the day, like that's feels like preferential treatment. To yeah, try exactly. To hide like, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of preferential treatment to celebrities, right? But and where I, does that leave us? You know what not, I mean? And I'm not trying to be controversial. If one of us were to walk up in a comedy club and slap the comedian on stage. What would happen to us? We would get arrested. Get arrested. What happened to Will Smith? Oh, nothing. Yeah. He got I, a standing ovation. Again, I'm not trying to be controversial. No, it's not, or, I don't think it's controversial at all. No, it, I mean, everybody that watched that was just kind of like, what the fuck? Dude? And then minutes later, he won Oscar for. It's, a, it's assault. It's a straight it is. assault. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it really did. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it really did. It's, you know, I, I love Will Smith. I loved fucking Fresh Prince. I love his, his movies are okay. Oh, they're good. But at the end of the day, don't like, diss them. Don't dude, do that. You know, but at the end of the day, you can't walk up and slap a dude. No, sure. no, I'm you know with you mean? on that. Like, I'm with you on that. But I mean, if you're if you're in the if you're at a comedy club and you're in the audience and the, and this happens all the time, go to any comedy club. The comedian is usually going to pick a table 
yeah. to fucking kind of poke at, right? No, well, and of when course. they poke, if you were to walk up on stage and slap the person, yeah, oh, you you're going to jail. You probably get your ass beat. To be that's honest. right. Yeah, and it, and it didn't happen. It kind of, it kind of, it rubs me the wrong way. Anyway, yeah. So right. soapbox over. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, not great. Don't slap people. Yeah, they really deserve it, and they have to really deserve it. You know what I mean? I've only slapped a few people, and they did deserve it. <laughs> you threw me to the ground one time. I didn't slap you, did I? No, but you threw yeah. me to the ground. You deserved it. You threw a 40-ounce I... drink into my car. <laughs> that is also true. That is also true. It was. I was there for that. It was interesting. Chased him down, linebacker yeah. style. Yeah, he dug his face into the ground like he was a bad dog, and like <laughs> making him smell the pee he just let out on the carpet. It's bad true. dog. You smell that. It was. It was like that. Uh, anyways, all right. So, uh, but back to uh, Jew hating <laughs> because this is <laughs> this is where we start getting into the score. Because as much as Mel talks about how he wanted to say that the Jews are the problem with the world talk was just alcohol-induced, the truth is that he said other interesting stuff about Jews before. In 2015, Fox News reported that Gibson uh, gave an interview two years prior to former Republican speechwriter Peggy Noonan for Reader's Digest, where he downplayed the number of Jews murdered in the Holocaust. Of the Holocaust, Gibson told Noonan, quote, I mean, when the war was over, they said it was 12 million. Now it's six. Now it's four. I mean, it's kind of a numbers game. So, like, solid hot take there, Mel. The attempted systematic elimination of an ethnicity, you know, just a numbers game. It's basically Sudoku, right? I mean, one million, two million, four million. I mean, whatever. Yeah. That's one thing I have a hard time wrapping my head around. Why do people hate Jewish people so bad? That is a good like, question. Am- anti-Semitism is, like, a huge thing. They make so I, much money. I don't. I mean, yeah, fuck I, them. I just don't get it. It is, like, and it's historical too. I mean, it goes centuries. Yes, and it centuries. does. Absolutely. It, Jesus Christ was a Jew. Well, that's, that's true. But I mean, like, even <laughs> they they talk but, about like, oh, like everybody thinks like, oh, the Holocaust was like all of a sudden a Jew hating spree. But it had been happening in Europe for yeah. like centuries before. They had pogroms that were happening in like Poland and stuff like that. But I guess you go back and look at what people hate in general right when in early americas they hated the irish right mm-hmm. they hated the irish immigrants they hated the polish immigrants it was it, i guess it's just something if it's not what you're familiar with or aren't like fully versed on yeah you don't like it change I, you change. know what i mean that's, exa- well, that's exactly i'll right. be honest i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the jewish community is sort of inherently insular like they sort yeah 100 they keep yeah. it all within house yeah and, and and so when they move into places it's it's sort of like people talk about like now with like immigrants and that they don't um you know acclimate themselves here or whatever and i don't know i mean it's something you know i, I don't know i i don't get it either that's it's, my it's that's my thing is like I, I don't get the hate, like especially yeah. with a melting pot like America. That's you know exactly I mean? right. Like, That's exactly right, buddy. Like we're made up of a land of fucking immigrants. We really yeah, are. I am us. an immigrant myself. Like there my mom go. came from Brazil. Yeah, well, you know you what go. I mean? Yeah. So no, it's true. But like I said, that's it goes back like hundreds of years. Like even in the Middle Ages, they would like back in the day in the Middle Ages, like and even in the Renaissance, like the Jewish people could actually were the only people that could lend money with an interest rate tacked on top. And they use this to like finance things. Cool. A thousand years ago, that's what we did. Or well, no, I know. But what ago. I'm saying is that like even then, what would happen is after a while, when the debt got so big that they would have like a big debt jubilee, and they would like blame the Jews and like kick them out of the country. Our debt's only so big because they put all this tax on top of it, and 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get yeah. it either. It's yeah, very we, strange, man. Uh, and then there was a time that, like, another famous person, Winona Ryder, had an interaction with him in the mid-90s and that she uh, also didn't remember too fondly. Ryder, who identifies as Jewish, recalled her running with the Braveheart star, explaining, quote, We were at a crowded party with one of my good friends, and Mel Gibson was smoking a cigar. And we're all talking, and he said to my friend, Who's gay? Oh, wait, am I going to get AIDS? And then something came up about uh, Jews, and he said, you're not an oven dodger, are you? Wow. Wow. Jeez. So, you know, oven dodger, that's a special little epithet there. God, I've it? never heard that before. Good old I Holocaust I haven't jokes. either. Yeah, God that's damn. not cool. Yeah. That's rough. Now, he said that that, that that never happened, but actually, she talked about it like contemporaneously. At the time, she had mentioned it back in the mid-90s when this happened, and then she talked about it later, and he was like, I never said that. Uh, but it sort of tracks with everything that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, also, uh, Mel decided to go for like the double whammy and talk about gays as if they were AIDS foggers, like the uh, homophobic equivalent of one of those pesticide commercials from the 80s or 90s where the roaches find out that the owners like bought bug spray that was in their life. AIDS! <laughs> Well, our older like uh, listeners will get the raid reference, <laughs> honestly, dude. But anyways, the anti-gay stuff isn't all that surprising when he had already expressed his distaste for them in print a few years earlier. Back in 1991, when Mel was being interviewed by El País magazine, the largest in Spain, the topic of homosexuality was brought up. What did Mel think about gays? Quote, they take it up the ass. Wow, he said that? Which... Very astute observation there, Mel. <laughs> yeah, but right. anyway, as he, he as ain't he, lying. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, as he says this, he was laughing and standing up and pointing to his own ass. So imagine Mel Gibson being like, <laughs> "They take it up the ass," and then he closes out the observation by proclaiming, "This is only for taking a shit." That's it, a quote. When pressed on whether he might be mistaken for gay, Mel piped up, "Quote with this look, who's going to think I'm gay?" I don't lend myself to that type of confusion. Do I look like a homosexual? Do I talk like them? Do I move like them? Was Mel drunk during the interview? Probably. I mean, I'm this close to saying definitely, but I wasn't there. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say definitely, but... But whatever, dude. Even when given an opportunity to retract a statement or even revise them after being asked to do so by Glad. Uh, you know, the Gay Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation uh, Society or whatever. He took the opportunity to declare, I'll apologize when hell freezes over. They can fuck off. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Pretty stout on that stance. So Mel doesn't like gay people, or gay dudes at least. And though he likes women for things, he does not love feminists or really appear to believe that they are entirely capable, or at least he didn't at least at one time. In 1984... Gibson told the press, quote, feminist, for Christ's sake, what does it mean? It's a term invented by some women who got jilted, end quote. A decade later, he threw out a wider net, quote, men and women are not equal, he said. I had a female business partner once, didn't work. She was a cunt. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So beyond what he's saying in these instances, there's a how's he saying it. In case you didn't notice, there's definitely an edge to these statements. In case you haven't noticed, like, Mel Gibson is a fucking pissed off dude. In a 1993 interview, he admitted, quote, I've got a bad temper. And there's this from an article I found, quote, he never just muttered, I don't like so-and-so or even I hate so-and-so, 
Once he got going, he quickly wandered into the valley of evisceration, dismemberment, and death. In 2003, he famously denounced New York Times columnist Frank Rich for scolding him about the Passion of the Christ, saying, quote, I want to kill him. I want his intestines on a stick. I want to kill his dog. Oh, Jesus. Well, a lot of the food right now is food on a stick. That's, that's a big true. thing that's right a, now. It's, yeah. it's like chicken satay, but it's, that's it's right. dog yeah. intestines. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, like, that's the industry that you're in. Like, you know that people are going to be criticizing you left and right. Some are going to be praising mm-hmm. you and some are going to be criticizing you. And if you can't take the, the good with the bad, I mean, fuck, what are you doing in this industry? No, it's very true. I mean, he's an angry person. He's an angry person. He's, yeah, uh, I mean, to me, this uh, this starts to point in a direction more towards him being angry more so than him just being drunk and kind of having loose lips. Exactly. This is uh, a little bit more than just like a one or two pop-off. Yeah. And then another example, when speaking about an author who had written an unauthorized biography on him, Gibson said, quote, I have to pray for the guy who did it so I don't kill him because the motherfucker hasn't got any balls. He's a pussy, and I hope I never meet him because I'd tear his fucking face off right now. Jesus, man. What was that in reference to? It was saying he was gay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I really don't know. a movie or something yeah, like that? Yeah, no, I, I have no clue. I mean, what, what could you possibly say where he says he wants to tear his face off in print or something like that? I don't know. Okay, so those keeping score at home, it would appear that Mel Gibson doesn't like Jews, he doesn't like gays, doesn't like feminists or feminism, and is pretty angry. But let's keep digging, because now we're getting to the fireworks spectacular finale of Mel Gibson's angry tirades. Are you ready? Let's do it. Don't want to wait another week for the next episode of Asshole Court to come out? Go check out our new and improved Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. You'll get highlights from past shows, and you can join in on the conversation of past asshole courtroom drama. Check us out at AHC Podcast, or leave us a review on whatever platform you listen on. Now, back to the action. Backstory. After that gnarly 2006 DUI, Mel's wife had had enough and left him. Mel, depressed and roughly half as rich, found love with a Russian D-list celebrity named Oksana Grigorich. Grigoriva. Grigoriva. I'm going to have to say this a lot, so I'll get this right. Yeah, we already know from the Russian Putin episode that Mikey's not great with the Russian names, even though he's friends with a lot of them. Long story short, the relationship did not go well. After a decades-long marriage, the Gibson-Grigoriva relationship was passionate, but burned with all the healthy heat of the Chernobyl core reactor. (laughs) (laughs) The climax, a recorded Mel Gibson telephone tirade that was caught in all of its glory by a prepped and ready Grigoriva. Well, here's some of the highlights. This first one, I'll like give you like the entire thing. So the context is there and you you can like see how bad it really was. Because there's like one quote that always gets pulled out. Of course, always. There's the highlight. But I'm going to give it to you. The The sports center version. Well, no, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to give you the whole game for a second here. Mel, tell me that's a message or something because you're doing something, trying to breastfeed with the fucking foreign bodies in you. Grigory says, so? Mel says, what is that? She says, it has nothing to do with that. He said, oh, it has nothing to do with that? The fact that you had foreign bodies in there? She says, correct. He says, correct? Okay, good. So you're not lying to me about fake tits? She says, I never have. He says, yes, yes, you just did. You said they weren't. You fucking lied to me before. She says, what? I didn't. I never said anything of the kind. You never asked me. I never told you. Or maybe you asked me, but I never lied about this. 
He says, another lie. Who cares? So they look ridiculous. Get rid of them, why don't you? Anyways, uh, you know, she says, it's none of your fucking business what they look like. He says, tit, her tits? Yeah, this is a titty conversation. He's talking about getting rid of the wife's fake tits? Yeah. He says, mm-hmm. it is, it is. They look stupid. I'm just telling you, it's just an appraisal. Like, keep them if you want. Look, stupid. See if I give a fuck, you know? But they're too big and they look stupid. They look like some Vegas bitch. They look like a Vegas whore. I'm and, out. I'm out. And go He's around. Talking about his wife having too big of tits. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm out. Buddy and Randy, check out I right mean, now. We're, right. we're literally just getting into this here because it's going to get so much worse. Oh. And you go around sashaying around in your tight clothes and stuff. I won't stand for it anymore. She says, I don't. I don't. I don't walk around in tight clothes. I stay at home for most of the time. Mel Gibson says, yes, you do. You go out in public and it's fucking embarrassing to me. You look like a fucking bitch in heat. And if you get raped by a pack of N-words, it'll be your fault, all right? Because you provoked it. You are provocatively dressed all the time with your fake boobs. You feel like you have to show off in tight outfits and tight pants. You can see your pussy from behind. And that green thing today was enough. That's provocative, okay? I'm telling you. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't like it. I don't want that woman. I don't want you. I don't want to believe you anymore. I don't trust you. I don't love you. I don't want you, okay? So let's see. Jesus Christ. Mel see drops your pussy from behind. Mel drops the hard R N word. Yes. He says she deserves to get raped for dressing provocatively. And not only by one, but by a gang of. Yeah. I'm There's, so hung up on the, the thing that you can see her. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I thought actually it's funny when I was reading this, I was like, okay. And I was like trying to visualize it. Was it pushing it back or I don't know. I can see your clam from here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But there's also something about like the foreign bodies, which I I don't know. Not sure what he's talking about, honestly. But based on what we've learned so far, I don't think he's talking about germs. More likely, he's talking about. Uh, oh, there it is. Here's another line where he's talking about firing the nanny, Mel Gibson. Quote: I'll report her to the fucking people who take fucking money from the wetbacks. Okay. Oh, wow! Wow! Jeez! So he doesn't like the gays. He doesn't like the Mexicans, Jews. Yeah. Jews. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. so let's add Hispanics to the bingo board here. Wow! Anyway, there's so much in these calls that I'm just gonna give like a few more wild lines and then just like just call it because it'll take up a ton of our time. But if you're interested to read or listen to the whole thing, just go Google quote Mel Gibson Grigoriva call full transcript and you'll see like all of it in it's shocking uncomfortable glory gibson talks about her falling asleep instead of waiting for him to come home and fuck quote mel i've been so fucking good to you you fucking try to destroy me she says i didn't do anything i did not do anything this is your selfish imagination that's all mel as he's screaming shut the fuck up you should just fucking smile and blow me because i deserve it she says I'm sleeping with a baby. I'm waking up every two hours. I fell asleep because I was waiting for you because you weren't ready to go to the jacuzzi, apparently, as we agreed. I just waited for you. I waited and waited until I fell asleep. And then, and he bumps in, waited and waited like two and a half fucking minutes, you fucking whore. Awake. You're blaming me right now. Now I'm blaming you. You went to go to sleep and didn't blow me. I deserve to be blown first before the fucking jacuzzi okay i'll burn the goddamn house down but you blow me first how dare you how fucking dare you and then he actually goes ah <laughs> you it, can take my blowjobs 
But you'll you never, never take, take my jacuzzi. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, you want the number of my therapist? Don't you ever find him. Find your own fucking therapist because you got problems more than me. She says, you need medication. Wow. That's God. heavy, dude. Yeah. That's really heavy, actually. And getting blown seems pretty important to old Mel because here's another little nugget. Mel basically tells her at one point to like leave the house. And Grigoriva like, says that she'll go to her friend Alicia's, right? Mel says, why don't you fuck off to that cunt bitch Alicia's? She was fucking making eyes at me. She'd have sucked me in five minutes. Take that one up with her. I was trying to spare your goddamn feelings. She'd have blown me in five seconds. She's not your friend. You don't have any fucking friends except for me. Now, to me, that sounds pretty much like textbook abusive partner shit. Telling them that they don't have any friends telling them that you're their only friend and there's nobody else out. Yeah. There's no escape. Yeah. This is actually a textbook abusive like Stockholm thing that syndrome almost. It is. Yeah, you and when you hear about abusive relationships, they constantly tell the person like nobody cares about you. I'm the only one that cares about you and it creates this sort of like path where the they feel like, "Oh, well, you're the only person that cares about me." And if you like ingrain that in somebody's head over and over and over again Stockholm syndrome like you yeah know, like it's a weird it's, everybody's read or or heard the certain blurbs out of there like you know like the sugar tits shit or whatever from the 2006 DUI which he says didn't happen but whatever but when I actually read the whole transcript of this I was like this is fucked up dude yeah because I mean like the way that I jumped into it on the beginning was like I didn't know if it was just like him having a Britney Spears moment where the paparazzi were always around him and all of a sudden he just kind of snaps or if this was just kind of like a pattern of behavior. Yeah. And fuck. Yeah. It's, it's not great, dude. It's, no. not, fuck it's one thing to know you're being recorded and another thing to just let loose. And yeah. 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 No, I'm right there with you. Anyways, enough of the whole thing. If you guys want to like, I, I recommend if you really want to get the whole thing, go look it up. It's easy. The transcripts there, dude. God, I hate it. You should never meet your your star or your celebrities. You yeah, know what I mean? Never like, meet your heroes. You never meet your heroes. God damn. Uh, and also, like, try my hardest to be fair here. Some people claim that these tapes sound manipulated and that Grigoriva releases his leverage for the divorce settlement, which she did not come out great in. Like at the end, to be honest, but. Gibson never said that the conversation wasn't real. He said that he had been dealing with issues and that it was a moment of lapsed judgment and not representative about how he really thinks. Yeah, and, I mean, when you look at it, like uh, the conversation that he had with the cops back when he got arrested over there, I own Malibu. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, like, this is all just a pattern of behavior. This yeah. isn't just an isolated event. Well, Mel, is it Melrad G? That's right, dude. And besides that, like the conversation seems like pretty like intact and contextual. It's not a 20 second blurb. It's a long series of conversations. Like, seriously, I left out about 80 percent of it. So it seems to me like a pretty accurate representation of what the conversations were dude it isn't like you caught me off guard being or like on a bad day or yeah, something like and that. be like i'll fuck your mother but i was like telling a joke and then you just cut that down it's long it's yeah. and, and again like going back to it like in terms of like abusive relationships that one line caught me really hard where he's like you don't even fucking have friends i'm your only friend and i was like that is that hurts. Yeah. that's yeah. that is like a1a I don't know how they, like, I feel like there's like a school out there somewhere where they're like <laughs> training dudes how to be like abusive. The Mel Gibson school for dating. Yeah. Or yeah. But I mean, all of it, all the ones that you watch on like these murder shows and shit like that, where they're like, oh, they had abusive spouse or whatever. And it's always the same shit. They're always like, you're a fucking loser. Nobody even cares. Like I'm the only one. 
you have to come to me. I'm your friend. Yeah. But aside from all the bad, in the course of my research, I did find something interesting. Aside from Winona Ryder, it is next to impossible to find anyone that's worked with him that will say a bad word about him. Even at the height of his shame, like right as the Grigoriva tapes were released, his first wife came out and said that he was a good man and that the tapes did not represent anything she'd ever dealt with in their multi-decade marriage, okay? Here's another piece from that Vanity Fair article. Quote, some of his best friends really are Jews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no. So he has like one friend. No, no, I'm no. a Jew. I'm yeah. his best no, no. friend. This He's given me lots of money. Such as his longtime publicist, Alan Nerob and Richard Donner, who directed and or produced six films for him, including the Lethal Weapon series. Ditto the redoubtable producer, Joel Silver, five films. Likewise, some of his best friends are or were gay, such as his loyal agent, the late Ed Lamato. Then there's Danny Glover, Gibson's co-star in the Lethal Weapon series. He says, quote, I love Mel. The camaraderie we had was really special. He creates a world and he draws you into it. And then, like, as for women, his former wife, like I said, she said that like he never laid a finger on her because at one point Gregory was saying that he punched her in the mouth. Right, right. And it right, sounded right. like that happened from that conversation. But whatever. Uh, and then he has friends like Whoopi Goldberg who, like, sprung to his defense. Jodie Foster, who first worked with Gibson when they co-starred in Maverick, hey. go, is, uh, she's like, is articulate, even eloquent on the subject. She says, quote, I don't have a lot of friends, so it was unusual for me to have met somebody and instantly said, this is somebody I'm going to know for my whole life. She said, once a tree fell outside my house in the middle of the night, which I didn't notice, in the morning, I ran out really fast to get the paper and slammed it into the tree, which is also funny. <laughs> <laughs> Jody Foster knocking herself the fuck out of the tree. Uh, she says uh, it was. She says it was like getting hit by a crowbar. Uh, she said I was stumbling around, blood pouring out of my head, and the phone rings. It was Mel. Uh, he said, "How are you?" She says, "I feel so stupid, but I ran into a tree." She said he literally came in 15 minutes with his big bag of ointments and Tibetan blah, blah. She says he's kind. He's generous. That's the guy I know. She adds, I can't say I'm proud of the way he's handled things, but I feel terrible for him and for his family and for his struggles. So the reality sounds like Mel Gibson, as we all are, is like a complicated person, a, a different person to different people. He's not a one-dimensional monster. And even though I feel that regardless of my many shortcomings and flaws, and Lord knows I have plenty of them, you would never hear me on tape saying anything like what he said. And I'm like certainly never saying things publicly that he has, but he is just a human at the end of the day. An imperfect and complicated human being, sure, but a human being nonetheless. And one that, unlike me, thankfully, has the whole world looking at him and scrutinizing everything he says and does. And no matter what you think about him, he's definitely made some entertaining movies. Like South Park famously said in their hilarious uh, Mel Gibson episode, say what you want about Mel Gibson, but that son of a bitch knows story structure. Final scores, boys. All right. Wow. All right. So for me, um, this is tough. Because I loved Mel Gibson back in the 90s. I loved all of his movies. I mean, 80s, 90s, you're, you're dealing with Lethal Weapon and all the ones that we've mentioned through here. And, you know, I'd like to think that it was just a lot of people trying to knock him off the pedestal. Mm -hmm. And it, unfortunately, from what I've heard throughout the show, that doesn't sound like that's the case. You know, I kind of put up the parallel to almost like Bill Cosby, where, you know, 
he's done a lot of good. Man, y'all, y'all keep yeah. like relating him to rapists like Steven Seagal and Bill Cosby. <laughs> well, he uh, didn't rape anybody. Well, fuck the rapist part, but I'm just saying where it's like it, it's that mentality where you've done a bunch of good and on the flip side, you're just almost trying to do all the good to cover yeah. up all the bad right, is right. what I'm saying in this sense. You know, I mean, from his own mouth, from what he is saying and multiple times, not in just like one time I got drunk and, you know, like maybe like I blacked out. I mean, this is multiple times over and over again. He doesn't like the gays. He doesn't like feminists. He doesn't like Jews. He doesn't like Hispanics. He berates his wife. Uh, the the Russian wife that he had yeah. for a long time, Basana Grigoriva. Nailed what? it. There we Nailed go. It. But I mean, like, it's just like a pattern of behavior. It's not just isolated events, and that is beyond beyond disturbing to me. I I hate it because I mean I love him as an actor, but like I said earlier in the show. That's why they tell you, you know, you don't want to meet your heroes because a lot of the times what you've made them out to be in your head is not who they really are in real life. And that just sucks. I fucking love Mel. I love what he's done, but I hate who he is off screen. And um, yeah, I'm going to have to bump him up. I know we we usually like have that kind of barometer at about like a 7.0 for where like murder starts to happen. But there's a few times that I have to jump people above that score. Oh. And I'm going to put him at a 7.5. Okay. I, I don't like when he could easily just keep his fucking mouth shut. Yeah. Like, let your body of work speak for you. Yeah. And uh, this was even before the times of phones that have cameras on them. And, you know, like all, the, I mean, like he's almost, <laughs> he's like literally like giving a, uh, an interview to the biggest magazine in Spain. He's like, gay is taking up the ass. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You not know a, what I mean? Like, good look. It was a different time too, though. Man. He's going out of his way to make himself sound like an ass yeah. and, you know, just show his true colors. And you know what I mean? Like as much as it sucks, believe people for who they are the first time they tell you. And you know what? I feel like from what we've heard, I got to believe Mel is who he says he is. Yeah. So as much as I hate to say it, fuck Mel Gibson, 7.5 final wow. score. Randy, what you got? So I kind of go back to what I talked about in the beginning. Um, the drunken man speaks the honest word, right? Mm -hmm. What he truly thinks. And if we look back at the things that he said to his wives, to well, the his press, first wife said that. She she was yeah yeah no she never he never laid a hand on her but what was recorded and released oh to the yeah public, yeah when you get into that 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 transcript you're like holy shit yeah. dude's a racist man whether you want to call a racist it, fuck he's him. a racist whether it's Jews blacks gays whatever whatever you want to call it's it. so big that you just have to call him like a bigot he's a bigot he, yeah, that's exactly right he's, he's a bigot exactly. even outside of race he's yeah, just like nah he, he's a bigot man he, he and he thinks he's better than others. Which pisses me off, right? That's one thing that just... We all put our pants on one leg at that's a time. exactly right, man. I don't. I jump into my pants. Yeah. Did y'all do that shit? Exactly I put, right. I put my pants on the floor and I jump off my bed into Mikey's my pants. George Jetson. He, uh, <laughs> he puts them on in a different I way. I put like both leg holes down on the floor, grab my pants, and I jump off of my bed and... Like, the, scream the, airborne. That's how, tight airborne. My, that's how tight Mikey's pants are, by the, the way. The, <laughs> the problem is, is that if you when you miss... Oh, it's the yeah. time for yeah. a new pair of pants. <laughs> but anyway, dude's a fucking bigot, and it sucks because uh, he kind of leans on his fame and and you know fortune to think that it's okay to think this, right? Do you know who I am? Bingo. So I'm putting him at a seven point two five as my final okay. score. Mikey, what you got? 
Uh, man, it's tough because like uh, he's uh, in my mind, he's he's an absolute bigot. Like he can say whatever he wants to, and he probably works with these people, but his interactions are with people he works with, and so there's um a money play and that happens that way. I mean, let's be honest though, like as far as any of us go, like we can be totally different people that we work with than we are with our friends or sure. Your work life versus your actual life. If I talk to the people that that work for me versus the way I talk to you guys. Oh, if if the people I work with knew I had this podcast, it'd be game (laughs) over. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, but so like, I think, but I think, yeah, deep in his core, like he is, he is who he is. He's, um, he really is a, he's a bigot. And I, and a lot of that comes from, his upbringing, I think, is obviously his father. His dad, yeah, of course. I don't know. I, I again, like like Randy pointed out, I don't get the Jew hate, and I don't think I ever will. But it's there; it's still there all the time. I also think that you know, there's some redeeming qualities. Like it is interesting to hear like the people that work with them and say like, you know, that they like working with them. And uh, see, I, I, I think know, that's I bullshit. I think he's just trying to cover up for all the bad shit no, at that are, point. No, those are people that, that he works with, though. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he tries to do good all here, yeah. but then, like, you know, behind the scenes, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Yeah. Hyde, basically. Well, but I would figure, like, you hear with celebrities, like, people that are assholes, they're like, they're like generally you'll hear, like, they're very quiet. About, you can only hide it for so long, basically. Right, but I mean, it's uh, you're thirty years, and like yeah, everybody, exactly. like, the, 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 only, the stories would seep out. The only celebrity that said anything was Winona Ryder. So I'm like, I feel like he's probably like a congenial person, like on set, and they talked about him being like a hardworking guy and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. So it's like, how do I define this? He's he's a bigot. Uh, he's uh, like that conversation with his second wife is fucking horrible. What's her name again, Mikey? Uh, Oksana Grigoriva. Hey. Yeah, but I'm gonna score him. Um, I'm gonna score him a seven. All right, with a seven point five from Buddy, a seven point two five from Randy, and a seven point zero from Mikey. Mel Gibson's final asshole score is a seven point two five. All right, seven point two five. That puts him. He is more of an asshole than Lance Armstrong and less of an asshole than Charlie Sheen. He's just above Dr. Phil. That's where he's yeah. just above Dr. Phil, just less than Charlie Sheen. I, I feel like he's in that Lance Armstrong, Charlie Sheen territory. Yeah, that, that seems, that seems sense. pretty. Yeah. We, yeah. We've got to revisit fucking Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah. Mike, you still can't get over the nah, Steven no, Seagal from no, the beginning. Every time we bring that, I'm like, no, that guy's a fucking rapist. He's like raped like 20 women and we're like, eh, it's it's 6.0. <laughs> that was very early in our, in our, in right. our recordings. Right. We'll do a, an episode in the future where we like just go back and look and be like, really? 6.0 on Steven Seagal? Let's give the highlights and then yeah, let's re re He also ties in with Putin too because he's like, he's like giving Putin hand jobs all day too. So he's even worse. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. Guys, go check us out on patreon.com slash AHC podcast. You got to put the full version in patreon.com slash AHC podcast because we are explicit. You won't just find us in your normal search menu because we're that badass. We appreciate all the support that everyone gives us. We love all your Instagram shout outs and all the messages that we get. Truly appreciated. Be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court.